Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Manufactured in upstate New York, an employee-owned company, Golden makes the best acrylics, oil paints, and watercolors that you can buy. You can find them in your local art store, or you can find them online at goldenpaints.com. Vivian Zhang was born in 1990 in Beijing. She is a London-based artist who grew up in China, Kenya, and Thailand. She received her MA in painting from the Royal College of Art in London in 2014 after completing her undergraduate at the Slade School of Fine Art in London in 2012. Vivian's recent solo exhibitions include New Peril at Tank Shanghai, Soft Borders at Laurie Shavivi in Dubai, Codescape in Long March Space in Beijing, and Uzumaki at House of Agorn in Berlin. Her works have been displayed in numerous group exhibitions, including After Image at Mammoth in London, Echo Chamber at Plus One Gallery in Antwerp, and Digital Natives with Thomas Van Ling at The Rider in London. She was named on the 2017 Forbes 30 Under 30 Asia list and is the recipient of the Abbey Award in 2016 and 17 at the British School of Rome and the Chadwell Award in 2014. Vivian is represented by Pilar Corius Gallery in London and Long March Space in Beijing. I spoke with Vivian about her youth growing up in vastly different landscapes and cultures, collage concepts, good music, grime, playing the drums, painting, and much more. Here's our conversation. But yeah, yeah. sounds good. Well, nice to meet you, Brian. Yeah, it's nice to meet you too. How are things? Yeah, not bad. Um, you're, in, what, you're in London, right? I am in London, and you're in Brooklyn. I am. This is a pretty crisp signal for across the seas. I mean, it oh, yeah? could be worse, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I made a point of staying at home because uh, my Wi-Fi is a little bit better here. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully everything will go smoother here. Yeah, yeah my studio Wi-Fi is like <clears throat> that too. It's a little... Mm. spotty at best mm. i guess it's just because it's a studio building with like other people and you know yeah, the bandwidth yeah. probably isn't that great but it's yeah. it's hard right like especially when we were all like truly locked down like everyone was on zoom or like <laughs> online you know yeah. my kids in class online and my wife's working and i'm trying to do you know it's just yeah. everyone's online so it's a yeah. whole new world right no absolutely and they're still trashing 5g networks and not you know <laughs> <So> <laughs> right. that's hilarious <clears throat> but yeah, yeah was it i mean how was your how has it been have you been working in the studio like did you take time off for a while or yes um i did take some time off but um it's been quite a good year for me just uh you know i, I, I isolate in the studio and work in the studio um that's a rhythm i think most artists are very comfortable with um, right. so it's not terribly new um, and I've had a few projects to do in the last few months, so that was good. But yes, in the beginning, uh, there was a moment of panic where I was like, okay, right. maybe I should just stay at home. Um, and also my partner, he works, uh, he's a health worker. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that fright of like, oh my God, okay, you know, chain of transmission. 
what yeah. is what what is going to happen? Should I stay at home because you know I'm exposed to you and you to many more people?、Um, yeah, and、uh, well, that must have been nerve wracking, right? Yeah, yeah. I think this has taught me a very、uh, selfish lesson. Um, before I always thought, okay, for the greater good, you should go volunteer, you know, in this and that. And now, when there's an actual pandemic, oh my god, I do find myself super selfish and being like, please don't catch it, you know,、right. don't、yeah. don't go to work if you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's tough because you think of healthcare workers as being, you know, like it's a very noble profession and it keeps people,、mm. you know, alive and healthy. And、mm. but you don't, I don't know that we. Thought of the risk wholly before this, yeah. Whereas, whereas like firefighters, you feel it. You're like, okay, these people are going in there every、mm. day, and it、yeah. could be like life or death. And then this really kind of shined a light on on、mm. that, you know, for healthcare workers. So, yeah, yeah.、Absolutely. I imagine that's a very stressful situation. Yeah, but、well, they luckily- started out. They started rolling out the vaccine, or they approved it. But are they are healthcare workers getting it first there? Uh. I think so. I think frontline so medics,、uh, people who deal、right. with、uh, internal medicine, they will get the、uh, vaccine first.、Uh, my partner actually、uh, does surgery, so he might not be、uh, in the front,、um, yeah, front queue of this.、Um, I think they in the UK they plan to have older people、um, have the vaccine first, and then yeah. Yeah,、uh, by different ranks. Work. Work their way down in age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it has yeah. to be that way. Yeah, I was、mm. listening to someone being,、uh, I think, an immunologist talking about how, ironically, like thirty, like or like twenty to forty year olds who travel a lot would be the、mm. best first people to immunize because they're <laughs> the ones who will be out there spreading it, basically. Sure. But they're like morally, we just couldn't do that and like skip older people. So yeah, but yeah. at least there's something on the horizon, right? Yes, yeah, I think that is definitely a lot of people are, you know,、uh, putting all their hopes on that.、Um, yeah. Th- this morning, I was having a、uh, meeting, online meeting with a colleague in Antwerp. Yeah.、Um, and they were saying how Pfizer is just twenty minutes drive from Antwerp, basically. Right. Right.、Um, yeah. And Pfizer is the company that's going to supply the British、uh, the vaccines. And there was this terrible argument and and and.、Uh, Uh, what is it? Ang- anger towards Pfizer for supplying the the British、uh, before supplying their own people. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah.、Politics. Yeah, I guess you don't think about that. The hometown of the vaccine、mm. developers.、Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of politics to this whole. You know、yeah. who gets immunized and all that. St- I mean,、mm. that's I guess that's normal, right?、Mm. It's part of the the、yeah. whole thing. It's been really complicated, you know. And I was listening to. Um, I was watching a video interview with you, and you were talking about how, you know, the virus. Like you felt that you were talking about Black Lives Matter, and like、oh, how、yeah. the virus. You you felt like discrimination <laughs> on that, and like that. It that has been such a horrible kind、mm. of side of this. Is like、mm. in in tandem with all the stuff we go we're going through over here with you know with Black Lives Matter and you know all that discrimination. But、mm. yeah, this sort of like. Passive aggression. I don't know. It's weird with like at least in these、uh, the states with like discrimination against the Asian American community or Asian community is、mm-hmm. so like not talked about or something.、Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just like flies under the radar more. I think because we have、mm-hmm. you know a lot of other movements that maybe are more、mm-hmm. sort of in the、mm-hmm. I don't know the front lines or something. But yeah, it was really bad here where like people were being attacked and you know just、like、messed up. And and our、mm-hmm. government didn't help that situation either. 
No, I think this is a problem probably everywhere. Um, and um, sadly, because of things like the pandemic, where you know you actually have uh, something where we can work towards together, and this is actually the occasion when all these problems get exposed, and you you, you then see how polarized society is, um, yeah. and how oh, yeah all these kind of resentment uh, bubbles up and uh, actually surface, and then you you also see yeah people's prejudice um, really. Uh, showing, mm. yeah. Sadly, sadly. I know, and it, it you feel, I don't know, you feel like in a lot of aspects things are getting better, but then in a lot mm. of aspects it's like the same. Like a lot of people mm. just have those same feelings, you know. Mm. But it is, it's so complicated now. The world is so complicated with how everyone mm. moves and mm. lives all over. Like I have a lot of Chinese students who were either stuck at school here and couldn't mm. get back home and. Right. Like, you know, and good and dealing. I mean, that's hard stuff. You know, like mm-hmm. you can't get back to where, mm-hmm. you know, your family is, and it's yeah. Just, and, and then you're dealing with like mm. all the that other stuff. It's complicated. But mm. that kind of like segues because in thinking about when I read about your youth and like growing up. I mean, mm. you lived in China till you were ten. Then you went to Kenya, right? Yeah. Then yeah. Thailand. Yeah. Then London. I mean, you were all over the place. So you got <laughs> a pretty good. You know, that's that's a, a very active uh, geographic childhood. Yeah. What was that like? I'm that sure you can't a- sum that up in like two sentences. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite diverse. And actually, uh, after I tell you about myself, I want to learn more about you as well. I think, you know, it'd be nice to have a conversation, not just one-sided. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. Um, so, yes, it was a lot of exposure to very different cultures and, yeah. you know, cultures um, on opposite spectrums of each other um not my choice but my mom was uh, working with an organization that had bases in kenya and then in thailand so she was sent to these places um and i think as um surprising and strange these um experiences were they were really wonderful because of how different they are so i was my you know uh, uh, kenya was the first foreign country i lived in and it was it's so it's so different. Um, we live in an area where there are lots of um, ambassadors, residents, a lot of foreign people. Yeah. Um, and at the back of our, it was, it was a flat, but at the, at the back of the flat, as uh, as a, a, a small forest, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes you can see monkeys swinging around. <laughs> um, uh, my school, we had to drive through uh, coffee plantations to get to the to the school. Um, and uh, in the evening, also, there are no lights on the road. So if there was like a school concert or something, my mom would be terrified. Of going to pick me up. And she was a single mom as well. So, you know, she just had to uh, suck it up and do yeah. it. Um, and I went to an American uh, international school. So hence my mixed accent. Um, and uh, it was wonderful. It was so huge um, that between classes, we had to have a five minute break to go from, you know, PE class to a math class or something. Um, yeah. And then during break time, you know, kids could buy, say, like a slice of pizza or some donuts and you would, um, they would give it to you on a paper plate and you would really have to like cover it up because there are kites and eagles flying around. They would come oh, down crazy. and snatch your snacks. Yeah. <laughs> So that was quite wonderful. And we had like four soccer fields because, you know, land was probably really cheap and the school just like had huge land. 
um yeah did you play did you play any sports uh no but i was really fit oh my god we had to run miles like i don't think any other schools my other friends like later friends have told me how really um yeah what that rigorous with pe is running right. miles and like doing lots of uh, field hockey indoor hockey there's like so much sports in that school yeah yeah i can't imagine life as a youth in kenya as being somewhere where you just sit around on the couch and, <laughs> and, like, and get yeah. out of shape <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and uh, our field trips will be going to like masai mara and living with the um the masai people which is wonderful yeah. um you know, learning how to build a mud hut or like drink cow's blood or um, how to light a fire and like how to find beehives and eat, like find honey from their hives. Yeah, that was, wow. quite, that was quite wonderful. Yeah, just your typical childhood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how long did you spend there? Three or four years, was it? Yeah, three and a half years. Um, so did you develop like friendships? And, I mean, did you feel pretty mm. connected? Because that's like formative time of your... Mm socially right because you're starting sure. to really connect mm. in that sense yeah yeah so it's difficult i did have a couple of friends but we are out of touch now um i think um i, I have i have met um some schoolmates from kenya yeah. in uh in london just because you know lots of people um come to the uk or the us for their further education and they stay yeah. um, a lot of kids also are descendants of like um, British British colonialists from you know generations ago. So yeah. they they their families are in Kenya still. They you know they have land in Kenya, but they would send their kids back to the UK or or, right, Ned right. or the Netherlands or Belgium. Um, yeah, yeah, for university. Um, so that's quite interesting. So I've met like a couple of people. Um, yeah. yeah, but well, I that say, must have been hard though, like not speaking mm, English. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was tough. I remember, I think in the beginning, uh, I was so shy as well. Just by nature, I'm really shy. So in in the beginning, I would like sit alone at lunch. I I don't know what to do, um, and just like have a book with me. Um, but later on, I think uh, as I picked up more confidence and uh, a bit more English, and you know, mingled with kids in classes a bit more. That was that became a bit more uh, easier, basically. Yeah. yeah. Well, was there a parallel, like kind of mm. growing up your first ten years mm. in China? Did you grow up in near a city or in the country? Uh, in Beijing, in the city. Yeah. In Beijing. Okay. Mm. So, were you exposed to creativity and art from an early mm. age? Was that something that was kind of happening all along, or did you mm. find that kind of later? Um. Yes, since an early age, um, my school had like extracurricular um, art class and I just I always joined them. Yeah. Um, in Kenya, um, we had to, we didn't have art class all the time and we had to rotate between like art class and music class, drama class and quest. Quest was like a secret way of saying sex education, I think. <laughs> <laughs> really? It's called yeah. quest? <laughs> yeah, it was like quest, like it was like, half philosophy or like exploring like just random topics and also we did have a little bit of sex education that was really strange yeah. um but yeah so i had art class but not on a regular basis in kenya but in china um just you know after school activities basically mm. right so yeah. so you had you kind of adapted is that when you learned english in kenya or did you not really fully take it on at that point 
Yeah, definitely. It was in、uh, in Kenya where I learned English. I had to、okay. take ESL, so English as、yeah. second language. And my teacher was so wonderful, Miss Cannon.、Um, I still remember her. And it was a class full of you know、um, me, and then I think there were like two Japanese kids, one kid from Mozambique, one kid from Saudi Arabia. Yeah, and yeah,、uh, that's so cool. I mean, an international school. I guess that's the advantage is you. Yeah, you were exposed to so many different cultures and so many different people at such a young age. Yeah, yeah, but also it made me realize how unexposed I was when I was in China. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I first arrived,、um, there was a kid from Israel, and I was so surprised. I was like, oh my god, isn't Israel in war? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> that's my impression of Israel. Right, right. It's so distorted.、Um, And、uh, obviously, my my American friend, you know, she explained to me, and I was like,、oh, okay. And then, yeah,、um, we all hang out together after that.、Mm. Right. Yeah, but that's、uh, such an. Ex- I mean, if growing up in America, like even like I grew up in Pittsburgh, and oh right, you know, it was it's not super diverse. Like my school wasn't super diverse, but、mm. you're exposed to some diversity. Do you know、mm. what I mean? But、mm. I would imagine growing up in Beijing, it's pretty much. You're surrounded by Chinese people. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean. It's、yeah. like not a ton of diversity. So、no. going somewhere like that would be such a huge and the 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 visual of、mm. like the density that、mm. you grew up around. Then going、mm. to this sort of flat, arid,、yeah. the the color palette too is totally different. Absolutely, absolutely, it was very different. I think in Beijing actually was、um, obviously more cosmopolitan. Um, and more of a metropolis, just because、um, it's a big city, and、uh, you know, you you there within the city there are many different、uh, districts and bubbles. Whereas in Kenya,、um, you don't really go downtown. That's that's where a lot of companies are. But if you're not, you know, if you're if you don't work for the companies, it's actually not a very secure place. Yeah. So you either hang out, you know, around、um, the em- embassy embassy area. Um, or your school,、um, or、um, there's the United Nations there.、Um, so you know these are the areas that you you would usually go to,、um, and you wouldn't walk on the street if you're a foreigner. You always be driven to places. So as a kid, I mean, I don't, I didn't realize that at the time. But now reflecting back, I can never walk on the street unless、yeah. it was like you know literally. A couple hundred meters away in a very secure area, right?、Um, but that,、um, yeah, that was a very, very, very different experience for sure.、Mm. Yeah, I guess you you must have sort of reflected on it. Like at the time, I'm sure it was overwhelming and almost、mm-hmm. scary just to be in totally different environments of just、yeah. like where am I and what is <laughs> you know, and、yeah. I can't speak the language you know. And but、mm-hmm. now in in reflection, it must be、mm-hmm. so nice in a way to have had、yeah. those experiences. Yeah, I mean it's good that I went there as a kid, so I think kids adapt really quickly. Yeah. Um, um, and maybe you know there aren't as many things kids are worried about. So right. When my when my mom first went, so she first went, and then she、uh, took me over. So when she first went, um, she was in the car and um going through really busy areas, and people ba- like open her window, open her door, and like um. Grab her necklace, grab her <laughs> laptop.、Oh、I mean,、God. I'm not painting a very good picture of Kenya. I mean, this is the, the extreme side. I mean, right, yeah, right. it's it's a beautiful place,、um, but you know, these are the things like kids re- don't really worry about. And, you know, if if I'm been told、uh, lock your door, okay, fine, I'll, I'll do that. I'll just you know be be careful. So.、Um, 
almost it becomes second nature without questioning uh, right. a lot of the things. And so I remember the first holiday uh, going back to China from Kenya. Um, we got in a taxi and immediately I locked the door, and the no, taxi driver. Know. Yeah, and then yeah. the taxi driver was like, "What are you? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you, you going to attack me or something?" <laughs> yeah, that was that was funny. Mm. That, that happened to me. I mean, when I grew up, we would always leave the house and never lock the doors. You know, mm. it was just it was never a thing. And then wow. after living in New York, and I go home to visit my parents, I lock everything, and if the doors open, I'm freaked out. You know, you just kind of get used to that stuff. Sure, sure. So. Are your parents still in Pittsburgh? Yeah. Yeah. They're lifers, yeah, for sure. Same okay. house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice, nice. Yeah. So yeah. you and and then after that to to Thailand,、mm. right? To Bangkok. So, so Bangkok was liberating. Oh my、yeah. gosh! So Bangkok is a city that never sleeps and is super safe.、Um, you know, I think the motto of Thai people is. Uh, sabai, sabai, which is like go slowly, go slowly, and they call themselves.、Um, they call Thailand the land of smiles, and so it's just like a very, very peaceful Buddhist、um, country in、yeah. general.、Um, and my mom was so relieved. Basically, you know, I could go out to cinemas with my friends,、yeah. and、yeah. you know,、uh, go go to a cafe or something, and、oh, I walk and to food. school. The food and the food. So The food is amazing. <laughs> Thai yeah, food's have, my favorite. You have have you been to Thailand? No, I haven't been to Thailand, but I I、mm. love Thai food. So I know、yeah. I'm not even getting like the real deal. Yeah. But um, I go to Japan a lot and、okay. because I have family there and、yeah. and I show there and stuff and and I love the and I you just know that when you get food somewhere where、mm. it's from, it's just、mm. going to be way better, of course. And、mm. and、mm. so I'm getting like New York Thai food, which I'm sure isn't as good, but I I just love. The yeah. flavors, you yeah,、know? yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's like clashing of so many different flavor spots, right? Definitely, yeah. yeah it's really yeah. good. Yeah. So you、um, had a good time there, right? Oh, Thailand was great. I, you know, I also、uh, rode motorbikes to school, motorbike、yeah. taxis to school. <laughs> yeah. So that was like again so different and so amazing. I think Thailand、um, was one. I became really, really confident in myself and like found my own voice, maybe,、um, and that's where I yeah made a point of like taking on art classes and、um, and applying to art school. Yeah. Well, how many years were you, like what years were you there、mm-hmm. in relation to your education?、Uh, so, high school. Yeah, basically the whole of、okay. high school.、Mm. Yeah. So I, I would just usually just summarize as middle school in Kenya and high school in Thailand. Yeah. Did you learn Thai?、Um, a, little a little bit just to get by. Again, it was like an international school, so we didn't need to. But you know, if you got shopping or、uh, to this、uh, to yeah to to the theme park or something, be just good. Or using a taxi, it's just good to have a little bit of Thai. Right.、Yeah. It's not easy though, right? <laughs> No, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's funny because like with Japanese and Korean and Chinese, like I you can learn some expression. Like、mm. you know, I I just feel like I can hear it and I can get a little bit of it. But、mm. when I tried a little bit of Thai, it was、mm. just seemed so d- hard. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not that as catchy. I think as as Japanese. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's the just the structure of words and stuff is so complicated. Like,、mm. aren't I? I feel like. Isn't it? Aren't Thai people the best people in the world at Scrabble? Because the、oh, the、really? words are so long and complicated. Supposedly,、oh. that might be. I might have heard that, and it's not true. But it just. Yeah. But you know, there's so like it's so complicated the word structure、mm. and the words. So it、yeah. just seems very difficult to learn. 
Interesting. I'm going to ask my Thai friends about that. <laughs> Are you guys really good at that? <laughs> I think so, right? Uh, I might yeah. sound like a total ass, but I th- I'm pretty no. sure that that's the case, that there's a strong Scrabble game in Thailand. <laughs> so when you graduated high school, did you feel like, oh, I want to go to art school? And then how did that mm. kind of, you know, manifest? Mm. Like, where it was art just something that you were into, but mm. or were you really into it and you thought, like, oh, I want to spend all my mm. time doing this? Like, how mm. did you choose on secondary Mm. school and like what you were going to do after high school um the choice was quite clear in that uh like art was the subject i would spend most of my time and and energy on like i could go you know do doing an art project i would happily sleep at 2 or 3 a.m and um yeah my school curriculum was pretty intense and then that's where I, uh, de- uh, you know, I put most of my energy um, into even doing a history project where there's like a little bit of art and craft involved. Like I would yeah. spend so much time. Um, and my art teacher was really encouraging. Um, and there was one episode, actually, a small personal story. Like my art teacher actually at one point um, got angry at me for the wrong, like for, for, for the, for, yeah, for wrong reason. Like I didn't, uh, um, he, how do you say, he um, thought I did something, which I didn't, and then he got angry at me. And I was so upset. Um, Like, I think, I just felt at that moment that I wouldn't feel that upset with any other teacher, but this was my art teacher. Right. You know, the subject that, yeah, Yeah. that I I love the most, and like, you know, the, the, the class I want to excel or like stand out the most. So that kind of, I think after that episode, um, yeah, gave myself some weird uh, insight into like, okay, I think, you know, this is something that matters to me. Yeah. Um, and then, um, I mean, art is still a really big subject. I could have done design, illustration, animation, all of that. So when applying to art school, um, I actually did apply also to American art schools. Like, you know, I got into um, the Institute uh, Art Institute uh, of Chicago, Parsons. Yeah. I got into all these schools, but um, they were, I felt they were more design oriented. Um, and my uh, distorted and wonky uh, understanding of art was that I should do fine art, which is, you know, the more traditional and uh, right. sol- solid subject, like within the arts. So, then the best art school that I got into um, was the Slade uh, in, in in London, and, and it, it is ranked uh, the num- number one in the UK for fine art. So um, I thought, okay, let let's start here. And you know, thinking like, okay, I'll build uh, my basics with this course. And if I did want to go to design, I can like change easily, yeah. not knowing actually, you know, all these fields are yes somewhat connected but still like quite far apart and you need to have different training for them um yeah and another reason i guess for studying in the uk is my stepdad is uh, english mm-hmm. so i actually do have um families in england um and i think that was another yeah another factor for um, deciding to study fine art in england instead of you know fine art in say california yeah yeah. And how was it? Like, did you take to it mm. pretty quickly? And did you enjoy London? I mean, you're still there, so obviously it wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I had a culture shock with London. Yeah. Um, I didn't imagine this because I thought, okay, I come from an international background. I felt, you know, really entitled. Um, <clears throat> and I felt like, okay, I, I could just um, bingle very easily. Uh, especially now that, you know, after Thailand, I felt like, okay, my English is pretty good. I can understand what, what everybody's saying. Um, but actually, I was coming from a multicultural background into a, you know, single culture, main, yeah. like mainstream culture back, um, place. Um, and so I, I was hanging out with my, um, dorm mates and, um, I could understand, I could, I could, I could, um, pick out everything they were saying, but I couldn't understand what they were saying because of their cultural references. Right, and right. I, it, it was just like, what is happening? Like, I can't, I can't, I don't feel like I can, I can really communicate with them. Um, so that was, that was quite interesting. Um, Art school-wise, um, I think uh, most people in the UK actually take a foundation course. Um, so they have one year of training where they're doing, um, uh, you know, like a combination of different uh, art forms, just get an overview, and then they select one artistic medium they, they want to go into. I, did, I didn't have that. Um, I just went straight. And um, so I, I don't think I missed anything um but that was one difference i could see um because in the first semester we only had i think we had one semester where we were really encouraged to explore um and i felt like i could have used a bit more more of that i could have had more of that yeah um but the slade was a, a really amazing institution i had a really amazing uh teachers i'm still in touch with them um all my tutors and and some friends from the slade um, so no, that was, um, you know, a very, very good time. Were sure. they, so was it, when mm. you say that you kind of have to pick, was it pretty area specific? Like painting was its mm. silo and then, mm. you know, sculpture was separated. Was it pretty separate as far as the yeah. areas? Yeah. So they were separate, but obviously in painting, you can do sculptures and right. you can, you know, you can discuss what is actually painting today. Yeah. Um, but yes, there were different areas. There was uh, the slate is divided into painting, sculpture, and media. Media mm -hmm. uh, is a very strong uh, area, and I was in painting. I was just always felt more comfortable with painting, um, and um, also also as, as a Chinese artist, maybe I felt like painting um, is something not in our, my history, my, my history. So there isn't really a lineage of contempt, like Chinese paintings say, like Chinese painting is different from what we, what we assume as, uh, painting in the West, right, like yeah. oil painting. Right. So that feels, that felt really new to me. And I felt like there was a lot more I can, discover and you know as a young Chinese artist I felt like okay this is an area for contemporary Chinese art maybe I can even bridge like there's a gap in the history uh, and so yeah my interest um, stems from that and has stayed on from that yeah I, th I think um, you know a lot of time when you you're in school and you're developing your work that idea, of course, of identity comes into it because not only just people's interpretation of your work will either, you know, sometimes unfortunately be just filtered through like an identity of what they perceive of, mm. you know, where you're coming from. I mean, you've lived, you know, a life where you kind of 
culturally you moved around so much. So I would imagine you're, you know, it's pretty diverse as far as your cultural experiences and how you relate to others culturally. And, you know, so how did that kind of enter the work or did it enter the work? I mean, it sounds like you were kind of conscious of like the the idea of quote unquote Chinese painting, but, Mm. you know, was it something that you were grappling with or were you sort of extracting the language of painting outside of that and trying to just do your thing in relation to more formal issues of painting itself? You know what I mean? Mm. Mm. Um, yes, I um, I was aware. I am aware. Um, I think it's a difficult subject just because the you know you can really you can you can exploit your identity, but at the same time, like you, yeah, I think as an artist, you need to edit what you use and what you refer to, especially if it's not your original native uh, culture, for example. So I did. For a long time, I did have difficulties like looking at, uh, I had difficulties lo- looking at, um, say, like East African culture and Thai culture. Um, but my, when I was doing my, um, when I was doing grad school, uh, my teacher was like, you know, it, it, those work significant years, those were significant experiences uh, for you. So you should feel free to look at them. Um, and so I have started looking at, you know, for example, um, African sculpture that my mom has taken with her after we left uh, Kenya. So the, you know, like sort of referring to these experiences, but not uh, ho- hopefully not exploiting them, but looking at things that's close to our lives and things um, that um, that are more intimate with us. Um <clears throat> And uh, um, with Thai culture, I, I think it's just it's it is a little bit um, strange and almost irresponsible just to pick something out from a foreign culture and and use it in an artwork um, if you don't understand the context if you are using it just as exotic um, uh, imagery or uh, or objects um, so. I haven't, I think, excessively referred to um, those years in very literal ways, um, and uh, I've I've thought about these experiences more as concepts relating to, for example, being somebody who is um, stable or unstable. The idea of you know, yeah, moving around, um, or the idea of. Um, the idea of ha- having um, control over something or having a base over something and then being able to um, manipulate or like maneuver around something that is um, solid or established. Yeah. I don't know if that, is that, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. It's such an interesting <clears throat> idea because it, like I often think about music as a parallel to talk about art. Mm-hmm. And with music, you know, music has has moved from different places and it feeds into other music. And there's a little less of an idea of like ownership over a specific kind of sound or whatever. It's just kind of Mm -hmm. like moves and happens like, you know, Mm -hmm. thinking about African percussion and how that moved over into South America Mm -hmm. and became part of like Afro-Cuban, Afro, like, like salsa and all those rhythms moving into different areas and samba and it becomes different things. And then it's, it's kind of like assimilated, but it's not in a way where it's like 
quote unquote like cultural sampling or something. It's just there's an mm-hmm. influence of that sound and it kind of moves and uh it really makes for interesting stuff when you mm-hmm. when you combine those things, you know. Yeah. And when when looking at your work and thinking about your you know, visual experience, if you take it out of cultural, but just bring, bring it up to like the visual things you've seen in your life mm-hmm. and thinking about there's, there's a real collage element, at least in my interpretation of your work, of these mm-hmm. sort of planes that are crashing, both whether it's color, whether it's, you know, surface, whether it's technology, analog or digital, it all seems mm-hmm. to be kind of like flying together in a really, it's just weird, like your work. <laughs> I, I'm really <laughs> interested in looking at your work because it just doesn't look like, Mm. an expected thing you know what I mean which I think is fascinating so it's and like think about a musician who grew up learning like say traditional Chinese music and then went to Africa and studied African percussion then went to Thailand and studied like psychedelic Thai rock and roll which was influenced (laughs) by you know you know what I'm saying like and then you made music out of that it's really interesting it's not cultural appropriation necessarily Mm. it's just that yeah. influence could seep through all that stuff. And yeah. and it I think, you know, that's the kind of dialogue I think that becomes really mm. um important for us to understand a an environment, a social environment where people are moving all over the world and integrating in different ways and bleeding into each other's like experiences and visual experience and culture. And um for me that's like super compelling. I don't know if like I'm sure you're living it, so you're not. Yeah, you know, I think it happens to like if if I look at it personally as being an American, and I'm like a mix of all this stuff. Mm. I don't have like a specific culture that I that I connect with. It's just mm. what I've seen and what I've experienced and what I'm influenced mm. by. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's mm. kind of so muddy and gray and watered mm. down that it, mm. there's not real, a real question about it i'm just kind of like taking mm. the pieces of experience you know what i mean but yeah. i think that's what's interesting about america is that there's people who come from all over and mix and mm. you know it becomes this co- sort of like stew of like and sometimes yeah. that can create issues <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and yeah. and sometimes it can really but i think it's important for people's understanding of like others and other mm. cultures and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're, you know, very on point. I think when I think about my work, it's precisely because it's not just my experience. I feel like um, my experience is, is uh, similar to a lot of people's experience. Basically, you know, whether you are somebody who has lived in many places or not, we are today generation where we are just stimulated by so many things so many influences because we're more connected so um you know instead of really using like instead of in my work just pinpointing to okay i've had these three or four different cultures um i just want to say look we 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 are a combination of so many influences and references and sources anyhow um and hence yes in my work um I draw different motifs and objects together and kind of um, combine them in the space of the canvas in various combinations. And um, I like to say sometimes like, you know, different different objects, different imagery have different status or weight in their original context. But when they're removed out of their original context and, you know, clashed with new things, does that change their status and hierarchy? Like how do these... Um, yeah, play out with each other. Um, and so hopefully my experience is just 
like the structure of my experience, I guess. It, it, yeah, it's what informs my work, not not necessarily like distinctive cultures. Not I'm not drawing on these um, only looking at these cultures that I've uh, lived in. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that's mm. what um, a big shift in the way we view the world, obviously, is technology, right? Because now mm. stimulus. Um, you know, the, the stuff we can see, but it's all mediated. You know what I mean? It, it, it totally mm-hmm. changes. It like recalibrates mm-hmm. our experience of the world and, and what we yeah. understand. And, you know, there's mm-hmm. firsthand experience and then there's virtual experience and then there's mm-hmm. the, the combination of those two things. But, you know, you could have a kid who who's growing up in Iowa who's Irish and the parents listen to Irish folk songs all the time, but they're really into reggaeton. And like they start a band and it's like this weird class. I mean, that's real. Like there's nothing wrong. Like there's something really interesting about that. Mm. But that probably couldn't happen without technology and Mm. without like the ability to uh, like if you think of music today with like Mm. or not today, but from, you know, decades ago. But sampling, once you can start sampling things, that totally changed the game. You know, that's a good word. Sampling. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, there's, is it the direct experience? No. But is there an interest in that in the past? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think with music, it's just like, okay, like you're mm-hmm. allowed to like get really into like different genres of mu- music and just add that into your music. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think in artwork, because it becomes so iconic and visual, mm-hmm. there's, and this sort of way people think about and digest art, it's different, you know, it's mm-hmm. a different Mm. A whole different thing in a way, which is really interesting. That's what makes art interesting. Yeah. Um, But have you, in the work that you're doing and Mm. using, because you use technology, right? I imagine you draw things out on, you you use the computer somewhat in the process of making it. Somewhat, yeah. Yeah. I think um, I just, yeah, I want to emphasize that I don't usually start with a drawing in the computer, but um, in the middle of making a work, I, yeah. Definitely, I sometimes use Photoshop to quickly look at <clears throat> the placement of an object or like a layer or something. Right. Um, but usually I start with um, paintings on like small maquettes uh, on primed paper. Mm-hmm. Just because I, you know, I still, as a painter, I still have this love of the quality of like physical paint um, and how uh, different thickness, different textures, different colors play out. So that's really important for me. Um and then I, th- I feel like hope- hopefully this is the way it's going to go. Um, I feel like technologies should only be a tool for assistance and not like overtake, um, you know, wh- wh- whatever you're making, um, uh, unless it's about that piece of technology. So right. at the moment, um, I try, yeah, I try to be very careful and, you know, only use, say, Photoshop or Illustrator when necessary, when, you know, I want to test something out very quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's just another element. I, mm. I I don't know if I'm correct in this, but I just your work seems so embedded into collage and the mm. collaging, whether yeah. it's literal or yeah. the mm. sort of idea of collaging together spaces. And, sure. And I would imagine the computer and you know working on paper and and all yeah. these different methods just becomes mm. part of that process, right? Mm. Yeah. So I was, I think, maybe a six, seven years ago, um, when I was in grad school, I, I started to come to this realization of how important collage is and why it's important to me. Um, and what I feel is because I grew up with Photoshop, like it's my 
second nature. I, when I was in Kenya, that was the first time um, I was exposed to Photoshop when I was the yearbook editor um, mm -hmm. then. So I was using so much Photoshop. And obviously, like my language, my inbuilt language is affected by this soft piece of software, you know, yeah. how I look at space, how I look at um, uh, foreground, background relationships. Um, and so I, yeah, I, I definitely refer to that when I'm making my work. And I think that is why um, there there seems to be a lot of collage elements in my work. And I, I love collage artists. One of my mm, biggest heroes is uh, Hannah Hawk, yeah. who is a uh, yeah, um, post-war uh, collage artist. So. Right. Are you a fan yeah. of Schwitters? Um, a little bit less so. I think it's a little bit more chaotic, whereas like, Hannah Hawk is slightly more... Mm, slightly more romantic, but also strange. Like there's an uncanny yeah, yeah. quality to to her work. Yeah, yeah, that, definitely. Yeah. Mm. That's so. I, yeah, that that idea of of working that and and not to well maybe we could geek out for a second on like, <laughs> <laughs> on painting stuff. But I noticed in a video you were using like this yellow tape that looks kind of like the tape I get from Japan. It's like this really oh. thin masking tape. Is that what? Is yeah. that a different kind of tape that you use? Is that um, is that I, I standard got, where you're getting it at the hardware store? Uh, it's not standard, but it's you can you can get it in um, at this hardware store in in the UK. Um, so I think it's like the sensitive uh, sensitive quality of masking tape. It is really it is thinner than normal ones and. Um, I first started using it just because I couldn't find the normal one. Uh, yeah. The normal one is by what three M. Three M, just yeah. normal masking tape. Yeah. yeah, and then for a while, like I think one of the one of the shops actually hiked up three M tapes price. So I was yeah, using expensive. this yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was using this yellow one, and then now I realize actually the yellow one is more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Um, but uh, yeah, but but it works. It's really nice. It's yeah, it's super sensitive um, and. Uh, because it's quite thin and I also yeah. I use a cutter or like a scalpel to uh, cut shapes um, on the on the tape um, as well. So this thin tape really that works very well. Yeah, but it blew my mind when I was watching that video. You were using a box cutter to cut the tape. <laughs> what, the hell you, what are you yeah. doing? Well, what? actually... No exacto uh, blade? You didn't... <laughs> no, and actually... a. A slightly more blunt blade is actually better just because I don't go through the canvas and it prevents me from going through the canvas. Right. Uh, when, when, well, yeah, when they were making the video, they were watching me, they were, you know, quite surprised as well and like quite scared for me. But, you know, I've been doing this for years and, um, my canvases are primed with like three layers of primer or gesso. So it's got a good base. Um, and, the the blade is just sharp enough to go through the um, the yellow tape. Sometimes you can see I'm like picking the tape just because I haven't used enough force to, yeah. to go to cut through the tape. But I've tried using scalpel and it's, it's, it's way too sharp. Like, yeah, you can cut a very clean line, but, you know, sometimes I cut into the gesso or the primer and that's that's a bit scary. Uh, <laughs> see, I, yeah, mm. I feel like a, a lot of students, because I've used tape for, you know, over 20 years mm. and um, 
I use X-Acto blades and sometimes my students will be like, well, why? Because I'll do a demo and they'll be like, well, how are you not cutting through the canvas? Yeah. And then, you know, you just, you kind of figure out the pressure. Like you mm. just start to understand that. I think I cut yeah. through canvas like a little poke once in my entire life. Of painting. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. you know, I just pushed too hard, but, but mm. you, you could just feel how hard to cut it. But for me, it wasn't that I thought the box cutter was going to cut through the canvas mm. of the, mm. it was that I didn't feel like you were going to be able to move as easy uh. because it, yeah. Because an X-Acto blade just kind of, you know, actually, you can kind of glide around. Yeah, I actually don't know what this X-Acto blade you, you mean. I'll, I'll look it up. And it All right, we're going to, after the podcast, we'll geek out on like, <laughs> I used to get this, this, um, uh, there's a, a company called Talus here. It's like a paper company and book buying. All right, yeah. And uh, it's right by my studio in Bushwick. And they have these Japanese like blades that are kind of like exactos, but they're even sharp, like way sharper and they're really hard to stick on the thing, but they are like amazingly sharp. And I use those for a while, but they're such a pain because popping them Mm. off, like I would almost cut myself every time I pop them off, but they were like, it was like ice skating on a freshly Zamboni to ice rink. You know what I mean? It just glided. It was beautiful. Yeah. Gosh. But yeah, well, I'll, We'll talk exactly later. Okay, yeah. <laughs> the Japanese seem to make some of the best tools. I have a Japanese brush for I've used for like twelve years and still oh, amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything is great. It's funny because I I was teaching there and um, and I set up like a studio there and you know everything's different. Like when you go to another country and try to get mm. art supplies, mm. like you get so used to the way you do it. You know mm. what I mean? So it's like yeah. it's a whole nother world. And like mm. over there, it was so hard to get stretched like stretcher bars or like stretched oh, canvases right. because people don't work as big there generally. Mm, yeah. And, um, oh. and then that's when I found that yellow tape cause I asked them where the masking tape was and you know, and I thought maybe I wasn't cause I was translating, I was saying it in Japanese, but like masking tape and they showed me this little yellow tape oh. and it was tiny. And I was like, oh. oh no, like I'm thinking I want the big masking tape, but they just didn't right, have right. it. They, but I ended yeah. up getting that stuff and I love it. It's like yeah. the best. And but now they have it here, like the local yeah. art store, which is I see, I see. But it's working in a different place. It's like but their tools there are so mm. like mm. beautiful. I can imagine. Yeah. Wow. Do you go to Japan often? Uh I used to before <clears throat> this whole thing, yeah. We we, okay. we go pretty much every year and Wow. Yeah. Nice. It's, that's one of the crappy parts of this pandemic but i'm um, mm. i think my sh- next show there will be it's at some point next year like oh, i think wow. we're going to push it to later in the year so nice. um i'd really like to go you know what i mean mm. that's the thing like if you yeah. have a show somewhere it's it's nice to go to it so no for sure yeah yeah is it going to be in tokyo or another city yeah or? i show with maho kubota gallery which is in, oh, okay. in aoyama in tokyo so okay wow yeah exciting yeah it's just i i'm i I miss traveling, you know, I can't mm. wait to like mm. my, you know how your phone, well, I don't know if you have an iPhone, but like you, the memories thing will pop up on your, on oh, your yeah. search screen. Oh, yeah. And like last Thanksgiving we were in Barcelona and went to the oh. Picasso museum and have all these right. photos and they started popping up and I just got yeah. that, oh. that sad feeling of like, Oh, I really want to travel. Again. I know. I know. I know the feeling for sure. And I feel like <sighs> I learned so much, like visually it's such a, uh, it's so stimulating to like travel to different places. It's such a yeah. big part of, it's always been a big part of my work because I, yeah. I love imagery from all over the world and using that mm. in my work. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I kind of miss, well, some one day soon here we'll be able to, Yeah, I mean, some people are traveling, but I just, I'm trying to be very 
yeah. safe. Have you have you heard of these trips people are taking? That's like, what is it? I think it's like a round trip, like from city A back to city A, just so you can have like a flight experience. I did hear about that. <laughs> the carbon footprint, like uh, radar in me, is like, what are you doing? I know. But yeah, I mean, some people are, are just travelers, you know. Yeah. And like this whole pandemic, I think, is really, I mean, I've talked about this a, a bunch, but I, I feel mm. like it's recalibrated our our need to travel. Like, you know, like mm. a lot of people travel for work when they really don't have to. Like, mm. they'll travel for a few hours for a meeting that they could just do over Zoom. And yeah. as far as like our carbon footprint, that's probably mm. much better. Mm. But people, when you travel a lot, you kind of... A lot of people love to do it, you know. There's yeah. something cool about staying in a hotel and being in a new city and yeah. stopping. I just love to go to a coffee shop anywhere in the mm, world. Yeah, And yeah. it's just that different feeling, you know. It's mm, so nice. Yeah. kind of miss that. Yeah, yeah. But you haven't, I mean, well, since you were in London mm. and you graduated, you went to grad school there too, right? ICA? Was it ICA? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. RCA. Yeah. RCA. So did you, I mean, did you, have you basically had a studio in the same spot and if you've really settled mm. in yeah so after grad school i had a studio in east london and then my current studio is actually just five minutes away from the first studio yeah. Um, um yeah staying in pretty much east london a lot of my friends are in east london my artist friends are in east london so this is like a big hub um also yeah there's like a cluster of galleries in east london which is fantastic you can just you know pop by uh, or go to like an opening or something. Um, my old studio, my first studio was, you know, quite dark and cold and yeah. dingy, as you can imagine. Cave-like. Cave-like. <laughs> it was a decent size, but just, you know, not well lit. And I had to have a uh, an ultrasonic ultrasonic mice repeller. Oh, goodness. <laughs> because there were rats and mice running oh. around. Uh, I, I, I don't think I saw many i think i saw it like once or twice um but you know just yeah just having these around and also there was no there was there wasn't proper heating and also the uh the studios were all connected um uh, in the ceiling so they they weren't self-contained um and so even if you had heating in in winter like the heat would escape into other studios it was terrible oh my god like you're holding up. you're heating the whole building yeah exactly yeah. and i just felt like oh my god human basics like right. i don't even have proper heating i'm like wearing three jumpers and gloves and hats <laughs> when i'm painting um but now it's much better i have a self-contained studio with nice heating and nice high ceiling it's good yeah. it's amazing mm. how much more productive you can be <clears throat> like i had a studio in bushwick that was there were no windows and oh. it was the second floor of like a rebar uh, like a concrete um, oh, cutting yeah. thing. And so there's no insulation. And oh. in the summer, it would get so hot in there that Ooh. I just could, during the day, I couldn't work. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would just come in at like 7 mm. or 8 p.m. and work yeah. in the yeah. nighttime. But you're, when you're that hot, yeah. you can't move fast. Like you can't. No. No. And, and when it's, it's really like, cold, you know, this like the tape doesn't stick. Like if it's oh, too yeah. humid or cold. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. So or if it's, it's even hot or yeah. if it's too hot yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> yeah so having like a you know a stable environment can really make mm. you a little more productive mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah for sure so yeah. you're so how how many days do you go to the studio oh boy well now life is so different <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know dad life and and uh, and, and, and so with the pandemic with my son 
working, you know, being at school at home, I'm mm. home during the day doing stuff mm. on my, because co- I do animation, I do a lot of digital work too, so I I'll do, I'll take care of a lot of like, in my home studio, like the the work stuff, and then mm. I'll, I'll go after, after dinner, I'll go Mm. And then work, you know, all evening over there. That's that's back. so disciplined. I mean, it's I, nice I though. It's yeah. it, it's quiet over there, okay. then, which is kind okay. of nice, you know. Yeah. Because during yeah. the day, I'm getting like these days. I guess the phone's blowing out. You know, everything's busy. Mm. So it's nice to work when it quiets down, and you can just mm. be a little more peaceful. And, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's kind of, I've been a little nocturnal lately. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. How old is your kid? Do you mind me asking? No, he's thirteen. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Nice. You've survived 13 years making <laughs> work along the kid. Congratulations. Thank That's you. That's very yeah. admirable. <laughs> yeah, I made it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, to be totally honest, like when they're really young, it's a little harder because you just, mm. you know, just mm. the logistics of everything, even sleeping through the night, of course, and like resting and all that. But then mm. at a certain age, they just start, you know, everything kind of stabilizes and Okay. But there were days, you know, back <clears throat> when I got out of school and I was working in the studio where it was just all day and night. Like I could work whenever I want. And I was mm. much more like cavalier about my schedule. These days, it's definitely like, mm. okay, I've got a four hour window here. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. doing this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You're yeah. a little more, you know, kind of like motivated and focused whenever you get in the studio, sure. which is mm. good in a way, you know. Yeah, yeah. I did a lot of dilly-dallying in the past where, you know, if you have a whole day, all day and night, you can just spend time on YouTube or, like, research things, listen to music, whatever. Yeah. And now it's much more focused. Mm, no, I believe. I believe that. Yeah, I believe, you know, having other things that you need to do actually makes you, um, yeah, makes you more uh, efficient, for sure. Yeah, you have to mm. be or you will never mm. <laughs> Mm. You'll, get a, you'll get a painting done a month, you know, or, yeah. or two months, and yeah. you just have to be a little more focused. Yeah. But I found that my um, my kind of like the genesis, like the the thinking about work and stuff is, mm. is a little more fractured now. And in a way, mm. it's kind of nice mm. because I don't overthink things for a long mm. time. Like I don't have mm. time to overthink things, which is mm. in a way, there's something yeah. liberating about that. Mm-hmm. I'll just go for it, you know. And then yeah. sometimes it's a wrong turn, but you know that's part of yeah, yeah, being creative. Uh, sure. I mean, I still await the day when I have a family, when I have kids. But I think I maybe I can understand a little bit. Um, you know, for example, having a deadline. Like I'm not very good without deadlines. But if there's a deadline, and then like if I'm approaching a deadline, I'm like, okay, I need to do like one painting a week, one big yeah. painting a week. Then I'm actually very efficient. I'm not like like you said, watching videos or like listening to too many uh, podcasts or music on 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 the side, and just right. like, I can actually work in silence. Yeah, deadlines are the great motivator. You mm, know? Yeah, but it's yeah. always been that way, right? Like for like final exams or whatever it is, it's like if you have that <laughs> deadline, you're like, okay, I know yeah. I need to get this stuff done, and if it's yeah. open ended. Yeah, I mean that's why show dates are so good to pin down. It's like okay, I got a show in like eight months. I gotta finish here, you know, or whatever it is. It just it gives you that that motivation. Absolutely, especially when you work in you know in in a field where you are the driver for everything. Yeah. Yeah. So having something else that just like you said, make decisions faster, or like you know, not care about it or not overthink it too much, uh, is really. Useful for sure. I think that's a that can be the great pitfall of a lot of one, mm. you know, so like people trying to be an artist a, a, mm. a professionally or as a career. It's mm. like 
you're your own boss. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're not making yourself work on it, it's not yeah. going to happen, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Some people aren't good unless they have that person over their shoulder being like, let's go, mm-hmm. let's go. You got to do it. You got to do it. You know, you got to kind of like internalize that voice, which. Yeah. Yeah. It, I would imagine as a young artist today, it's more difficult because it's so there's so much distraction oh my god so much to keep you busy like a lot of my painting life as a young person was boredom Mm, (laughs) i was like there's nothing else to do i'm going to the studio (laughs) you know yeah 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 no there is so like i'm sure it's difficult because there are so many other things that you can um you can incorporate as or you can say it's your practice but it might not necessarily be helpful for your practice or like you know there's like a lot of like noise and fluff like you said so maybe maybe one side of this pandemic is sure maybe you're still engaged on social media but having less of i don't know social activities or something actual social activities or like having to generate social content through these activities maybe it will give them more time uh, more patience um, yeah to make work in the studio yeah and to bring it kind of full circle what you were saying at the beginning i think what mm. you know being in like artists are just if if you're motivated and mm. you know you've been doing it it's like this kind of being secluded and just making your work isn't mm. foreign territory for an artist mm. it's, you should kind of be okay with just being yeah. by yourself and being yeah. able to make your work you know it's kind of like what happens in the studio for most people yeah yeah, yeah. um last thing i wanted to um ask about was mm. the role that music had in your life because you've you've been in a lot of different places mm. and and i s- saw in a couple of your videos like there was pretty good music in there <laughs> like it had like a good beat like you know there was some uh-huh. yeah i think you ever uh-huh. notice like a lot of artist videos just have like some sort of uh-huh. Weak, like yeah. I don't know what that soundtrack is. It's just like sure, like quote unquote music. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. you had some good, you had some good stuff in there. Oh, so. thanks. So I think maybe the maybe the video you're, you're referring to is one I did with my gallery in Beijing, mm-hmm. and um, one of the artists I chose. Her name is Yeji. She's actually based in Brooklyn. Oh um, wait, Yeji, like like make it rain. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I came across her work um, during the pandemic. I think there was like um, an article about her or something and how she made a new track about, um, I think it was called Waking Up Upside Down or something. But basically about like, you know, how we live these days and the strange days we live now in the pandemic. And then I was just, it was, I really loved it. Um, and then I gave to my gallery and, you know, they pulled out a few, uh, an excerpt of her track and I think that is one of the tracks we've used um, the other the other track is by Peggy Go um, I don't know her as well but I know she's you know in a techno scene she's a big DJ um, her work I think probably um, coheres to the visual imagery of my work as well, just because like there's a repetition um, in her in her music. Yeah. Um, there's that strong beat, and my partner. I, I'm not that musical, I think. Uh, relative, relatively speaking, my partner is very musical, and he listens to a lot of rap, and um, and increasingly, I've, I'm listening to a lot of like 
uh, garage or grime with him. Yeah. So quite East London. Um, I was going to say that's so British of you. <laughs> <laughs> so I told my gallery, like, you know, look for some quick beats or like, you know, something. I mean, they couldn't. We tried to match a grime track to the video, but it was just too fast. It was just, you know, yeah. like they, they couldn't do it. So we, yeah, we used the AG and Peggy Go. Um, and then there was another video um, done by a British uh, group. Um, but I think they made their own track, which is really nice. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, again, just like, I think they know that I like, you know, something with a rhythm, with like a clear rhythm and beat. Um, so they made something. Where that. did that come from? Your, my, your love of the beat. Um, it comes from my... my um, inability to listen to lyrics <laughs> so when i listen to music the music i like often i can't hear the lyric like i just yeah it, it sort of flies they, they fly over my head like i listen to the rhythm more yeah um i think it's because maybe because of the instruments i play when i was young so Typically, as an Asian kid, I played piano, of course, um, and then I played um, the drum, the drums, yeah, the snare drum in the marching band first. Oh, nice! There you go. And and then and then I played the drum set, um, and I got to a pretty high grade with my drum uh, playing. So maybe that's why, I, like, I am attracted always to the rhythm in the music um, more than the lyrics, and um, yeah, I put an emphasis on that. Do you have a uh, electronic drum kit in the studio? I don't, sadly. Might be I a mean, nice addition. Have I you know. heard those things lately? They're so good now. Oh, really? Like, I remember okay. when they first started coming out, and it was just yeah. like, you know, doo-doo-doo-doo, like they were just uh-huh. terrible. And now uh-huh. the stuff you can do on those things is amazing. Oh, okay. Well, my next investment, now that <laughs> I have, now that I make my own money, I mean, it was too expensive for my mom to buy me uh, a drum set, so yeah. I only had one snare drum, and I had to play, like, Aww. all these... <laughs> Yeah, leather padded, like other bits of drums. Yeah. Um, yeah, but now that maybe, maybe it's my next project. Electric kit? Yeah. Look for some good content, seeing you rocking out on an electric kit in the studio. Yeah. I'm sure yeah, people would yeah. dig that. Um, sure. But yeah, it sounds like I'm, and you've, have you collaborated with musicians on anything ever? It sounds um, like you're into stuff that, be, like, mm. creative people are doing stuff now. Mm. Um, no, I haven't actually. Well, with music, I think. I, I did do a couple of paintings that had a clear reference to the fugue, mm-hmm. to um, classical music, the, the fugue form. Yeah. Um, but no, I haven't collaborated with any uh, musicians, no. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Maybe something to keep in mind. Definitely. So yeah. you've got stuff coming up, right? Like, it seems like you're pretty busy. What are you working on? Um so I have a solo show next year with my gallery in Beijing, and mm-hmm. that will be my second solo show uh, with them. Um, so yeah, I need to do a better job than my first solo show, basically. Um, and then after that, um, so I just uh, we just announced our collaboration, me and Pythagoras Gallery, mm-hmm. um, and I'll be, I have a solo show with them in 2022. Nice. So there's yeah, your two. deadline you were talking about. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'm like, you know, my deadline is set for the next year and a half. I'm happy. <laughs> Motivated. Yeah. Was it cool to show in Beijing, like to show back home, mm. you know? Oh, absolutely. Or was I it think... pressure or like, did you feel mm. like, did it feel different than showing in other places in a way? Was I think it I had, mm. same old, th- same, you know? Um, 
I think the pressure is different, and maybe less pressure,、yeah. just because,、uh, especially for my first show, I felt the emphasis was returning for me to return to China. I think for anybody who、uh, is an immigrant who who leaves. Who leave their home country to be able to return to their home country, bringing something, some sort of achievement or a statement or or a project,、um, is 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 really great. And so it it was more celebratory for me. I think the first one,、um, and I just wanted to show you know the best work I could do, the most work I do I could do. Um, the gallery was huge,、um, so I had like I think twenty paintings, all new paintings for that show,、nice. and still that wasn't enough. So maybe for this show, I'm gonna do twenty, twenty-five. I don't know, thirty. <laughs> Whoa, that's like <clears throat> a mini retrospective there. <laughs> 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 it's a big show.、Um, yeah, so it was. It, again, like I don't be, because when I go back to China, I I I see my family, I see really old friends, but I don't really have anything to do there. Yeah. Um. So so now that I have a Chinese gallery, it's nice to be able to go to China. I, I feel like I I can reclaim、uh, Beijing. I can reclaim my city、right. because I feel reconnected with it through work, basically.、Right. Not like just a tourist trip or you know just、no. to go hang out, but yeah. When you're making work and then you know other people are going to be going in there and looking at it, there's a different kind of dialogue with the place. You know. Yeah. Exactly.、Nice. Exactly. Feels deep. Yeah. Absolutely. And. And、um, my grandparents, sadly, they've both passed away. But one of them was able to see the show. Oh, that's、um, good. That, yeah, and that was really important for me. And obviously, you know, like grandparents always, they they always worry about you, especially if if I think as a、uh, Asian kid and they don't know what the arts is about. Right. Of course.、Uh, yeah. So they see like there's some kind of、um, yeah achievement. I guess. Yeah.、Mm. It's legit. You know. <laughs> It's funny you、yeah. could be a doctor and be like,、uh. the worst doctor in the like the crappiest little practice, but they're like, oh, they're a doctor. But yeah, you, know, you could be、yeah. the biggest art star, and they're just like, wait, what do you do? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess this is real. You got a big、mm. show. I'm sure showing、yeah. in that big space though was pretty impressive. You know, that was yeah, it was it was quite daunting at first because、um, I just I never dealt with a space like that that big. Um, but the team is really supportive, and they were really good. They, you know, they let me do anything. So I basically、um, tried different configurations for the show hang, and they let me、um, build temporary walls as many as I liked in any configuration I liked.、Nice. Um, so that was, a, yeah, a very nice first collaboration.、Mm, cool. Very fortunate. Are you gonna come show in New York at some point? It'd be great to see. Oh, I, yeah, I really hope so.、Um, I only I've done a group show in New York, and I had a small trip in New York. I mean, oh my god, I it was amazing trip. Is that、and、your first time? That was my first time. I landed. I had a seven hour flight. I, I landed at nine p.m. and I I just I, I went out straight away. I went to see all the landmarks. I went I went what is it? I guess uptown. Yes,、yeah, so、I lived in my friend's place, which was in.、Uh, I want to say Berwick Street. No, it's not. It's like Soho. It's not Soho. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> um, uh, downtown, but very central. Anyway, that that as I say, he 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 lived very centrally, and、yeah. so I walked up and um and saw you know lots of landmarks and、yeah. and he 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 is a banker. 
friend's a high school friend. He's a banker. He came home at like eleven. He was like, "Vivian, where are you? Didn't you just land two hours ago? Why aren't you sleeping?" I'm like, "I need to see New York." <laughs> yeah, it's that anti jet lag uh, exhilaration, you know, where oh. you just can't go to sleep and you want to go explore, as yeah. opposed to when you go back and you're like completely exhausted and you can totally sleep because you're like, "Oh, I'm just back home." Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that absolutely. new city uh, energy. It's great. Mm, mm, mm. And everything, like, basically everything in movies came to life. Yeah. <laughs> the cliche of, you know, the uh, New York townhouse doorsteps and, like, oh, right. that was fascinating. Yeah. I do feel like New York is has so much energy, though. Like, it's yeah. almost too, too much. Like, I felt so exhausted afterwards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's intense. And it's funny because people now like are like, oh, New York's dead because of the pandemic. Or, like, there's no one out. It's no, not at all. No. It's just, it's there. No that energy is no always there. Yeah. And I think after, like, quite soon after I left, there was a maybe a gallery week or something where mm-hmm. there were like a, there was like a performance of robots um, in Chelsea, just on the street. Uh, I didn't hear about that. <laughs> but yeah it was like i think somebody's work and there were these like roaming robots were just like on, on the street and i just felt like you know where could that happen i right. think <laughs> right yeah in, in london like they would get, have to get permission it was you know really slow like i think in china they wouldn't do you know it'd be, it'd be too um crudely done or something or like it would be too niche because our our circle in china is like very small whereas yeah. in, in new york like there was so much participation you know it was so liberating and just like energy and forward and like very progressive that's amazing yes yeah. new york for you well yeah. soon you'll be here <laughs> i hope so how long yeah. have you been have you been in new york uh 20 21 years or so wow okay yeah. Yeah, I think I've I'm pretty much de facto yeah. New yeah. Yorker at this point. Yeah, I was just gonna say that's that's a difference. I think living in London, like New York, like like you said, maybe um, in other parts of America as well. Like um, the the area would embrace different cultures and different people, and you can claim yourself as a New Yorker quite easily. Yeah, I've lived in London for twelve years, but I don't think I can say I I don't think I can very immediately say i'm a londoner i mean right. like after chatting with people and telling them a bit more about my experience i can say okay yes i'm a londoner because i know my way around yeah um but that identity uh the british identity is still like you know much more mainstream much stronger so yeah there's yeah. a funny uh, difference there yeah there's a little more open plus i drive which i think accelerated my new yorkerness <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> that's like how you will fast track to be a real new yorker oh really I drive around okay. all the time Oh, I see. Okay. Become yeah. true. True New not York. The, not the subway. I see. Driving. No, no, I did the subway for some years, but then I converted to a, a driver. Mm, so, okay. yeah, it's a different, it's a whole different thing. I see. I see. <laughs> well, cool. um, where, so where can people, I mean, other than the shows you have coming up, like online, mm. you do social media, mm. the best place for people to find your work, read about you? Yeah, so I have, I mean, I have an Instagram account. Uh, I don't think I'm the most active person, but I do post things um, on, on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, I do have a website and it's, yeah, it's pretty up to date. Um, and I think you can also now follow me on uh, Pilar Corius, uh website, yeah. um, as, well, as well as the website of my Chinese gallery, Long March Space. Nice. 
Sounds good. Well, thanks for taking all this time. It's great to meet and talk. No, thank you for your time and your invitation. Sure. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>